0: Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. There was an advertising campaign that came out uh, in the 80s by Wendy's. Uh, and the whole thing was, where's the beef? And uh, it, it was talking about how they had more beef in their burger than anybody else. And by the way, all fathers... When you leave today, you're going to smell something good out there walking through the parking lot. And we've got a big, juicy burger and fries for you as our gift. Pick it up as you go. You can hang around and eat it. You can take it to go. And uh, you say, well, we're going to have lunch. There's nothing wrong with Dad having an extra burger. Come on, somebody say amen to that. You've earned it. You've earned it. I mean, it's always time for burger. Can I get amen from the men? I mean, you never walk by a burger. It's yours. And, uh, so you get an extra one today. Dad, we just want to bless you. I thought that that might be a better gift than, you know, I don't know. It's summer. You don't need another pair of socks. You, you know, you don't wear a tie anyway. Just have a burger on us. And, uh, so I'm fr- just kind of playing off that. Uh, my message today is where's the beef? And, uh, we want to talk about that. We, we want to see, uh, and understand and what could that apply to us? As fathers today. Well, I told you today that, that we're, we're honored to have men of God. I believe one of the greatest gifts to a family, to a church, to a nation, are godly men. Godly fathers. So families, we're happy to host you today. Thank you for giving us time on your Father's Day. Thank you for being here and gathering to worship God. I really believe that today is going to be a day of healing for many, many hearts. I believe it's going to be a day of restoration of hopes and dreams and, and and things that we want and expectations that may have seemed to be kind of crunched with life. I believe it's a day where we, we begin to understand the father heart of God. I want you to think about that in scripture he uses a term that he adopts us. We've been adopted into the family of God. Well, you know, my mom and dad didn't have any choice about me. I came and there I was. See, they didn't pick me. But an adopted child, you chose that child. You know, I remember one of, uh, one of our families, they had uh, a young child, and, and they had their, their next one. And the little guy w- went to the hospital with them. They hadn't explained everything. And he, they, they, he walked up, and they picked him up, and he looked in that hospital nursery and all those babies. And he was watching, and he said, uh, okay, I think I'll pick that one. They said, no, 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 that's not it. Your brother's in there. You don't get to pick one of these. It's, he's the guy. But God adopts you. If no one else has chosen you, God chose you. If no one else has been in what they should be to you, he uses that term. He adopts you. And then he says in Romans, he says that you can call him Abba, Father. The term Abba was a term of endearment. It would be like in, in, in our verbiage today saying, Daddy. Or that pet name you called it. Do you know that it was illegal in that culture for a slave to use the term Abba? Are you thankful today, come on, that you've been given access to the heavenly father that only an adopted child can call his name? You can say Abba anytime you want to. And then I think in scripture, when he he describes himself, fatherhood is big to God. He said he's a father to the fatherless. He even names himself Heavenly Father. And so today I believe God wants to release a fresh understanding, a new new reception, a new new concept that how valuable you fathers are. What God's invested in you and how we can as families and individuals encounter the goodness of God. So, So when I say today, where's the beef? I'm talking about what's on the inside of you. I don't know if you could get those little old ladies, it's a little fuzzy, but what happened? They 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 ordered a burger. I've kind of had that same experience have you, and there's this big old bun. And you look inside, and there's not much meat in there. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Well, Dad, can I tell you something? I want to encourage you men today. We're not interested in your bread. I want to help you. It's got a dual meaning. See who gets this today. You're not valuable because of your dough. you get the dual meaning. We love you because of who you really are. We want to know about the beef. Who are you on the inside? Who are you? What's in there? That's what we want to know. That's what I want you to discover today. I want you to realize there's some beef to you today. Come on. There's something tangible, real on the inside of you men. And, And we're here to recognize that, to release that. To uh, empower you and restore you as men of God, and to celebrate with you who you really are. We celebrate you. We like you. We're four men. This is a house of strong men at Calvary. Can you say amen to that? It's a house of strong men. So uh, let's 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 take a little journey, and let's look at some things together. Uh, I want you to look at 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse number 2. Now, you're going to have to keep your device open and charged up, so quit looking at Facebook and tweeting and... and uh, Keep your Bible app open. Open your Bible. We're going to go through some Scripture today. And I want you to follow along with me. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 9. God's own people had to wrestle with this outer identity thing. How many hear what I'm saying? They they were caught up in this thing, stumbling over what things look like on the outside. They were enamored with the outer when God was looking for the beef. They were enamored with what's on the outside, When God wanted to see what was on the inside. So they said, God, we want a king. We want to be like every other nation. But why would you say that? God was their king. He was their leader, their father, their protector, their divider, their provider. But they say, you know, we want to look like everybody else. We we want an earthly, think of this. We want someone on earth to be a go-between, between you and us. So when they decided to do this, which was a mistake... Notice what they did. Instead of looking on the inside, it was all about the outside. First Samuel chapter 9, verse 2, he had a son named Saul. Saul became the first king of Israel. An impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any of the others. So they said, we want a king. And so they looked around. They, didn't, they weren't concerned about who he really was. They were enamored with what he looked like on the outside. And you know and I know that was a miserable failure that Saul turned away from God, that Saul tried to lead them in his own ability, and God had to turn away from that man. God's spirit couldn't rest upon his human uh, efforts and resisting God. So, So Israel stumbled. They thought, let's look on the outside. They should have been saying, where's the beef? They should have been saying, What's this man really like? God, give us a man after your own heart. And when that failed, God gave them another man. And this time God said, I'm going to give you a man after my own heart. I'm going to give you someone, and this is what he said when he selected David to succeed Saul. He said, man looks on the outer appearance. But God looks on the heart. How many hear what I'm saying today? God's not worried about your bread, your dough, your what, you, what you're what looking like on the outside, your car, your house, your money, who you are, how tall you are, how short you are. That's not what God's about. God's looking at what's, what's on the inside of you. God's concerned about that real man. God's invested in who you are. So God chose this young man named David who was a man after his heart. And, and, and I want you to just see our introduction to the greatness that was lying within him. In First Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 22, let me just read a couple of highlights here as we go through this encounter. David, the man that, that was small in stature, young in age... Overlooked by his own family, the least likely to be selected, God saw something in him that no one else saw. Sir, I believe today that the God who created you sees something in you that no one else maybe has ever seen. How many hear what I'm saying today? Sir, I believe God has put something in you that you may not even know about. I believe there's a champion inside of you. Young men of God, I want, to, want you to hear me. You may not be a father, but it's likely you will be someday. I want you to grasp this. The sooner you get this, the sooner this becomes real to you, the better you're going to be. Young ladies, you better find a man who's got some beef. You better quit looking at his his car. You, you better stop looking at his muscles. <laughs> You better stop being impressed with how many followers on his Facebook. And you better find out who he is on the inside. You better take time to discover, is this a man of God? Does God see something in him? Is there something that's there? And I've got good news for you. This house is full of men of God. And there's some beef on the inside of these guys. I'm going to tell you, when you peel back the outer, the real deal is sitting in this room today. There's some men of God. Of God in this house. So God says. Let me show you my God. (laughs) Let me show you what you missed. Even the prophet Samuel. When God sent him. To anoint David. The first one of the brothers he saw. In in, in David's family. Was Eliab the older brother. And he reminded him of Saul. Get this thing. And, and, And Samuel said. Oh look at him. He's tall. He's He has all the appearance, and God had to rebuke the prophet. That's where we get that famous verse. He said, Samuel, man looks on the outside, but I'm looking for the heart right now. Haven't we been through that already? He said, yeah, 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 God, I'm sorry. So he says, I'll tell you the right one. So here he is, this young shepherd boy, 1 Samuel 17, verse number 22. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, And ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. His father had sent him that day. Go check on your brothers that are in the army getting ready to fight the Philistines. Bring me back a report. Tell me how they're doing. So David arrives. And this is this guy. Isn't it amazing? The first thing he does, man, he gives the supplies to those in charge of that. And David runs to the battle. Come on, guys. We need a generation of men who are running to the forefront right now. Are you with me? We need some guys who aren't intimidated by the battle. And so he runs. Verse 23, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion. I've taught you. You know what that word champion is translated? Middleman. Middleman. He was the representative. Can I help you with something today? You know that earthly personality that's intimidating you? You know that situation that's overwhelming? He's just a middleman. He's just a mouthpiece. He's just a representative of the young, of the young army. David was the only one who saw through this. How many are with me today? You need to stop being intimidated by what another man has done to you. You need to stop settling for the middleman and being a mouthpiece. It's not the personality, it's the principality behind him. And the good news is that principality was defeated on the cross. Two thousand years ago, disarmed, made a public spectacle of. If there's a man in my face, you're just a mouthpiece. You're just a middleman. You don't intimidate me. You don't in- make me afraid. I'm not impressed with you. You're a middleman. I know who's behind you on the other side of this thing. I'm, I'm, let me go on. So he he sees them and he, he steps out, shouted his what, his what usual oh usual you know that mouth that intimidation that human personality that's been locking you up and intimidating you he's just saying the same old stuff the devil just got his old usual line anybody listening to me You know that same old lie he's been telling you since you were that tall? That same old lie that you don't matter, that you're rejected, that you don't count? That's just his usual stuff. Can I give you some good news today? There is no lie, no usual defiance, no temptation that has ever come against you except that which is common to man. But God, the Father, is faithful who will not let you be tempted above what you are able, but with the usual defiance of the mouth of the middleman will make a way out for you so you can overcome the lives of this life. The middleman, the usual stuff and David heard it verse 24 when the Israelites saw the man, who did they see? The man. Are you with me? Israel can only see a man. They ran from him in fear. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man? keeps coming out. He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. Somebody's daddy should have got a kid out. Man, come on. Let's keep going. David asked the men standing around him. I love this. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Come on, this David's a bad boy. Come on, man. Can I tell you that's inside of you? Every father in the house. Every young man in the house. You know what's inside of you? Someone said one time, there's a sleeping giant inside of you. Listen, no, that's not the truth. There's a sleeping giant killer on the inside of you. That's who you are, man. There's something in you that that, that is designed and deposited by God that's ready to be released. So David says, what do I get if I kill this guy? All right. Now, uh, watch what he says. Verse 26, David asked the men, standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Watch this. He saw the picture and removes this disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Ready? Who should defy the armies of the living God? Everyone else saw a man. Everyone else said it's a man-to-man issue. David said he's defying God. David said, if the devil will send a middleman out, a mouthpiece to represent hell, God's looking for a middleman that he'll send out that will represent heaven. And greater is the one who sent me than the one who sent him. The battle's not flesh and blood. The battle is representing the purposes of Almighty God. So you know what happened? Somebody repeated that uh, to Saul. Saul said, someone wants to fight the giant? We've been waiting 40 days for that. Go get him and bring him in. And here comes little David walking in. You know, he's looking for a warrior. He's looking for a tested man. and oh, David comes in. I mean, you know, he's about this tall. Here's David. Got that big smile on his face. And the king says, you? You know, it's kind of like Gomer Powell going to the Marine Corps. If you, you know, he said, you're going to do this? He said, I'm going to do this. He said, well, see, you're a boy. He's been a warrior from his youth. What makes you think you can do this? Come on, man of God. Come on, fathers. You know those things that you thought were trying you And those tests you thought were sent to destroy you And those hardships you faced That you thought were made life unfair God was just preparing you for the great moments in your life None of that was wasted on God He said, so why can you do it? He said, I was a shepherd And a lion came And I grabbed the lion with my hands and killed him And the the king looks at the guy beside him He said, and then one night a bear came And I grabbed the bear with my hands and killed him And the king says, is this guy telling the truth? Or crazy and he's telling the truth he says okay and he said at least let me put my armor on you and David clangs around in the armor he said thanks king but no thanks I got to be me are you hearing me dad I got to be me I got to be the man God created me I must be this giant killer that's living inside of me I don't have to look like anyone else be anyone else do it the way they do it I'm the man God designed and created and I'm going to be that man So David rushes into battle. Look at verse 45. We just read here that the Philistine cursed him with his gods. See, David got this. Men, you have to get this. This is not an earthly battle. It's a spiritual engagement we're in. Verse 45, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Jesus. Help me. I like this boy. I like this young man. I like who he is. Come on. He's got some stuff. Somebody talk back to me today. He's got a backbone. He, You know what? David knew something. Men, listen to me. He knew who his God was. He knew who his God was. He understood the moment. Men of God, we have to understand the moment. We must know who our God is. He's mighty and he's in us and he's releasing you today to be a champion, a giant killer. See, everyone faces giants in life. We know that, don't we? Everyone faces some giants. Everyone faces strategies of hell designed to destroy you. But it's not the fact we face a giant. It's how we respond to our giants that's going to make the difference. See, David didn't defeat Goliath by the way he fought. He defeated Goliath by the way he thought. Did you get me, man? It wasn't his battle strategy. It was how he fought. That won the battle that day. He understood God's for me. Who can be against me. He understood he called me into this arena. Fathers he called you. To serve him in 2021. He knows you have the stuff. To raise a family in this generation. He knows you know how to find him. In this season. He knows you have what it takes to face what you're facing. You are men of God. God is with you. God is for you. He's deposited something in you. See, there's some beef in this house. Come on, somebody say amen. I don't have to ask, where's the beef? I'm looking at it right now. God's in you, men. God's doing something great. See, sometimes we have to have a challenge to find out who we really are. Are you with me, men? See, we're going to stop running from the challenge start recognizing I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. This thing the devil sent to destroy me is my opportunity to find out how big I am. See, sometimes I've got to put a demand on my destiny. I've got to put a demand on my destiny if I'm going to find out who I am. I've got to pull on my purpose if I'm going to find out who I really am. See, we we have to understand that David faced giants more than once in his life. When they came to anoint him as king, something came to the surface about his family relationship. He said, "I've come to anoint one of your sons as king." They didn't even call David in. His own father said, "Couldn't be him." His brother said, "Couldn't be that little runt out there with the sheep. He's not going to be the king. Going to be one of us." See, sometimes families overlook you. Sometimes families underestimate who's in the house. Sometimes people don't recognize. The giant killer that's right there at the table with him. Sometimes families didn't speak the blessing over you, sir, as a boy coming up. But God the Father spoke of the blessing over you. Maybe no one ever released you, but they didn't understand who you were. See, David faced some giants in his own house, and he overcame them. Anybody here ever had to face a giant in your own house? David had some lonely days in his life. He was a shepherd boy. He was watching the sheep. He was by himself. He did his work without any affirmation. He worked hard with nobody to to say good job. He worked hard and didn't get paid for it. (laughs) They didn't respect what he did for the family, but he did it well. He did his best. David faced some giants in his life. David was misunderstood by his family. He, he was overlooked. They didn't believe in him. And when, and, and, and when he uh, defeated Goliath, Saul brought David in to the palace to serve. And David served Saul, this man on whom the Spirit of God had departed. But David was faithful to him. And Saul rejected him. His leader rejected him. His leader tried to kill him. David knew what it was like to be betrayed. David faced some giants. David knew what it was like to do nothing wrong and yet be treated like a fugitive. David knew what it was like to be disrespected. When Saul ran him away and David had to flee for his life, Saul took David's wife and gave her to another man. David knew what it was like to lose his wife. David knew what it was like to walk through the challenges of real life, family issues, dysfunction, rejection, don't believe in you. Take what you love and throw it away like it's property, betrayed by the ones he served. David had an opportunity to become a victim. David had an opportunity to get a bad attitude. David had an opportunity. To roll up in a ball and say, life's not fair, God's not good, you haven't been right to me, I got served a raw deal, why should I trust, why should I believe, why should I keep going after God? David's fleeing for his own life and men gather around him. And they we come to 1 Samuel 30 and, 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 and his men and him were on a mission. They came back and their city Ziklag was burned and their family stolen. And his own men, the last people left, decided they were going to stone him to death. That's a bad day. But do you know what David did when his giants came against him, when his family rejected him, when his wife was stolen, when his men turned on him, when his leader betrayed him, the Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord David knew if everybody leaves me, if my mother and father forsake me, if my wife goes away from me, if I lose everything in this world my God is still faithful and if God be for me who can be against me? David refused to blame, listen to this statement, David refused to blame God for the failures of men he would not allow The failure of men to cloud the faithfulness of God. David said, I'm going to go to God. I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. There's still something alive in me. Men of God, fathers in the house, life is not always fair. It's not always easy, but God's for you. God's with you. God's in you. He's for you in this situation. You see, here's what happened. Do you know that when you recognize who's in you? Do you know when you find the beef when everything else is gone? See, some of us, all we know is the outside. All we know is the bread and the dough and the pickles and the ketchup. We, 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 all we know are the add-ons. We, we haven't found out who we really are. This is what I know about life. When all you have is God, that's when you find out God's all you need. You found out I'm okay. I'm going to make it. I found out who I really am. And you know when a man of God, when a father gets to that place, can I give you some really good news? <laughs> Others find what's going on in their life. When you begin to do that, because you know what, Surges like I taught you in the offering, uh, the, the giving testimony of a father, you're a leader. You're designed by God to lead. You're designed by God to lead to make an impact. And when you discover what David discovered, when you discover who you really are, when you allow God to awaken that giant killer inside of you, when you allow God to awaken your destiny and your purpose, automatically the people around you find their lives elevated. Look at Second or 1 Samuel chapter 22. First Samuel 22. You see, Saul was intimidated by David. He was, going to, uh, he was going to destroy David. He was going to get rid of him. Why? Because the anointing had left Saul's life. And Saul saw the hand of God on David. But can I help you a little bit of something here? I don't have time to teach and preach on this. But even in the house, there are people who will be jealous and intimidated when they see the anointing on your life. There's some people that you, you need. Can, can, can I just give you a little help? This is just a little parenthesis, commercial in church. All right. Hadn't planned on this. Evidently, somebody needs to hear this. Okay. Online, you need to hear this too. You ready? There's some of us that need to be discerning enough to understand why some people in the church are unhappy. You know why some people in church are unhappy? Because they are jealous of the anointing they see on someone else's life. And they want what only the anointing can bring to that life. And so instead of seeking the anointing, they attack the anointing. I'll stop on that. Now, now, now let's go on. So you see, you see, here, here's David. He's running from a jealous, insecure Saul. And so we, we go to 1 Samuel 22, 1. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Okay? When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down there to him. So his family said, We're going to stay with David. They'd learned something hadn't they? they said, You know that little boy we rejected, didn't believe in? He's got some beef. <laughs> that boy's got some goods. We're going to go stay with David. But watch this. Verse 2. Now David's in trouble, okay? He's fleeing for his life. Saul has the whole army of Israel. David needs some help, right? But, verse 2. All those who are in distress, Or in debt or discontented, gathered around him, and he became their leader. Well, that was encouraging. David needs some help. And these guys start slipping out and joining him. He said, David says, Hey, man, I I, I need some I need some help. I need some warriors, I need some men of God. Why are you? Why did you come and join me? Well, I'm in distress. Why did you come? You know, we, we got to have some money to feed these people. Why are you here? I'm in debt. I thought maybe you'd feed me. Okay. All right. Next guy walks up. I'm glad you're here. Tell, tell me tell me why you're here. Why did you come out of joint? Oh, I'm just discontented. Boy, he got the B team. I mean, understand what I'm saying. This was JV. He didn't. Nobody on the first team showed up that day. But here's what they didn't know. And maybe David didn't understand at that time. Is that when a man of God, when a father begins to be awakened by the Holy Spirit. And begins to find out who he is and walk in that anointing. It begins to affect everybody around you. It begins to permeate the atmosphere of the house. It begins to raise the bar of the dreams and the hopes in that situation. So David is surrounded by people in distress and in debt and discontented. And that's his army. That's who David is leading. But they are being led by a man of God. They're being led by a God that's got some beef. They are being led by a man who's found out who God is inside of them. So let's fast forward and see what happens. 2 Samuel 23. You you've got to read all this. I, I I can't read it all today. But every once in a while, uh, you, while you're reading the comic books and looking at Marvel movies, I go read this. You know, huh? While you're looking at Iron Man and Superman and Batman and Captain America and I don't know who all the rest of them are for, and the Green Guy and and, and the rest of them, you know, while, while you're getting all pumped with that, this is mine. Okay. Now remember who came to David? Remember how they came to David? I want you to see the influence of a father. I want you to see the influence of a man of God who's got some beef. Are you with me? So here we go. Let's fast forward. What happened to these guys that hung around David? What happens when a man of God is in the house? Second <laughs> Samuel, verse chapter 23. Uh, let, let's, let's, let's look at verse number 8. These are the names of David's mighty men. Mighty men? I thought they were in debt. They were distressed. They were discontent. They came in there sucking their thumb, bunch of mama's babies. <laughs> Dragging their rear end, pardon my language. Okay, okay. but with me? Mighty men. Who can pronounce the first guy's name? Josem, Bathshebeth. This is calling J.B., right? Is that okay? So J.B., a Techmanite, was chief of the three. So these three that led his mighty men. Just, just bear with me for a minute. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. That's a bad man. 800 to one. 800 to one. And you get excited, somebody hit a home run. Somebody can run to 40 in 4.3. Give me a real man. I want to know where's the be. beef. Okay, I can tell you. Anyway, let's keep reading. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Aholite. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at Pasadamien for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated. So everybody ran off. Everybody left. Come on. You ever felt that way? Man of God. Everybody left. Everybody, Everybody left. What am I supposed to do? Let's keep reading. But he stood his ground. You want to stand your ground, men of God? Stand your ground, fathers. Stand your ground, fathers. You believe for that marriage. You believe for those prodigals. You believe for Calvary. You believe for the work of God in this nation. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. You're a mighty man. There's something big inside of you. Stand your ground. What happens when everybody leaves and you stand your ground? Look at this. But he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. They'll always come back once you've fought the battle. Verse 11. Next to him was Shaman, son of Agi, the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel troops fled. There's a bunch of runners around these champions. You know, for every man of God, there's a bunch of losers. Oh, wait a minute. Let me back up. For every man of God, there's some people running from the real battle. Come on, look me in the eyes today, men of God. I believe in you. I see you in these verses. I see the fathers of the house in these verses. And we're not worried about who left. We're, we're concerned with the God who stayed. We're not worried about who fled. We're worried about the faithfulness of God. We're concerned with who he is. I'm trying to help you see who you are. Oh, you may not fight 800 men. You may not fight with a real sword in your hand. But you've got a sword in your hand. And i choose Challenge you today to put your hand on this sword and wield this sword till your hand freezes on it. I pray. Are you looking? Are you listening? Are you hearing me? The day I die, somebody's gonna have to pull this thing out of my hand because I'm gonna fight for my marriage, fight for my children, fight for this church fight for this nation, not intimidated, not giving up, not retreating, not going back. Why? Because they're worth fighting for. Because they're worth it. You put your hand on the word and nothing, 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 nothing's going to take that out of your life. I can go on and on and on. Look at verse 20. Benaniah, son of Jehodiah, was a valiant fighter from Kabzeel who performed great exploits. He struck down two of Moab, Moab's best man. Hey, look at this. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. What is that? His exercise that day. You know, he said, I need to work out. Somebody said, well, we trapped a lion over there in a pit. He said, okay. And he jumps in the pit with a lion and kills him. These were the people who, some of them were there in the cave of Adullam, who had lost their hope, who had lost their dreams, who had lost the the understanding of what life was going to be. But a man of God, a father in the house, who discovered who he was, Who's walking in the goodness of God has radically changed that. See, I I there, there there's more I want to say. But let me let, let me go to this last verse. I'm gonna edit something. I want to go to this. 2 Samuel 22. <laughs> in, in, in this same chapter, David begins to uh celebrate and 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 to uh Bless the Lord and to be thankful. In fact, I, I, I'm, I'm off on my I'm off on my scripture here. It's not Second Samuel twenty-two. Let me see if it might be First Samuel twenty-two. I, I'm I'm scrambling now because I had this written down and I want to read this verse to you. Well, it's not in there either. I can quote it to you. David at the end of his his uh, kingship, when life is drawing close, stay with me, man. We're going to close. God gave him a song of worship and praise. He's thanking God for who he is. He's looking back over the faithfulness of God and he's writing another song. And as he gets to this portion, this place, he says, God, I want to thank you for your goodness. Listen, men, you stoop down to make me great. Men, he'll reach down to where you are. No matter where we are today, no matter how low you may feel today, he stooped down. God stooped down. Not just to touch you. Not just to get you through the night. Not just to make you a slave on the outside. He stooped down and adopted you and said, just call me Abba. And he laid his hand on you. And he picked you up when he stood up. And he said, I'm going to do something great with you. Fathers, what is greatness? It may not be defined by fame and fortune and the the bread and the dough of this culture, but greatness, listen to me, Dad, is being the man God assigned you to be. It's being the father that family needs. It's the husband that wife needs. It's the father those children need. It's the grandfather that they need. It's the man of God in in, in the house of God that we need. He stooped down to make you great. What does greatness look like? Well, maybe it's Joseph who married the mother of Jesus. Do you know Joseph wasn't even Jesus' father? He was his stepfather. Joseph wasn't Jesus' natural father. God brought him in the picture. Joseph. We don't talk about him much. Here's Mary, the mother of Jesus. And that guy. We read about everybody. Joseph. But Joseph. God stooped down and found a man. And gave him an assignment. That wasn't going to make him famous. It wasn't going to put him in the front of the line. But Joseph did what God called him to do. Joseph believed in Mary when no one else would believe in her. Joseph led the donkey down to Bethlehem to position her for the timing, the place of God, for the Son of God to be birthed. Joseph held her hand in that dark, cold uh, stable while she birthed the Son of God for our Savior. Joseph was with her when nobody else was with her. Joseph watched when nobody was watched. Joseph was there by her side. Do you know, have you ever thought about this? Do you know that when God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus, she was already engaged to Joseph? Do you know that God not only chose Mary, he chose Joseph. Do you know that one of the reasons God may have chosen Mary is because she had a man like Joseph in her life? Do you know what greatness is? It's not celebrated by CNN and ABC and NBC. It's not celebrated by what this earth values because you're more valuable than what they value. But greatness is fulfilling the purpose and the destiny of God of being there when no one else is there. It's being a stepdad when dad left. Being a grandfather when dad's gone. Being a man of God. Walking in your shoes. Being who God called you to be. I want you to stand with me. I want our worship team to come. Don't leave. I want to pray for you. Come on, stand with me right now, man. You see, it's never too late. Listen to me, dads. It's never too late to begin to really be a father. Abraham waited a long time to be a father. Are you with me? He, he didn't come early to him. Listen to me, guys. You may say, well, Pastor, my children are grown and gone. It's not too late to be their father. I made some big mistakes. They're not with me now. It's not too late to be their father. I wish I could go do it again. We probably all have those thoughts. But I can tell you, you can't go there, but you can father them now. I can tell you about Phyllis's dad. We prayed for him for many, many years. He was 58 years old when he got saved. 58. He struggled, run from God. His father was one of the greatest pastors I ever knew in my life, Phyllis' grandfather. Yet David struggled. And he was good to me, always good to me. Had to earn his respect. <laughs> he was good to me. 58 years old. We got a phone call one Sunday night, didn't we, honey? We were home from church. He says, your dad got saved tonight. Oh, sweet. Man, we had rejoicing that night. And God turned that man. You know, running from God's hard. It's hard to run from God. He'd become hard. He'd become hard. But God turned his heart around. And gave Phyllis the last almost 30 years of his life. He became such an amazing man of God. Such a father. It's never too late to be a father. It's never too late to let God wake up the champion inside of you. Are you with me, men of God? You may think that life passed you by and all you have is distress, debt, discontent. But there's a mighty man inside of you. There's a giant killer inside of you. Young men, are you going to discover the champion now and live your life like a champion or miss half your life? Waste the years. I want to challenge the men of God in this house. God's for you. One of my favorite things about that song we we sang this morning, God is for you. God is for you. Do you hear what your pastor is telling you today? God is for you, sir. I want you to rise up in your faith today. I want to celebrate you and honor you today. I want to tell you that God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all you can do. I want your heads bowed just for a moment. I'm going to re- we're going to release a blessing on fathers and families. Those who have been blessed by fathers and those who have been hurt by fathers, we're going to all leave blessed by the Father today. How many hear what I'm saying? Favor wrapping around you. Heads are bowed. Men of God, I want you to listen to me. Men, I want to pray with you. It's never too late to start your journey with the Lord. And I want to encourage you today to just reach out to Jesus. Listen to me, men. You don't have to go through a big theological lesson. I'm not going to embarrass you or intimidate you. But man to man, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus today. Grandfathers. I, I've, I've sensed all morning, praying early today. There are grandfathers that are here. Today's your day to ask Jesus in your heart. I sense that strong. Not too late. Dads, let's get this thing straight and right right now. So men, heads are bowed. It's a private moment. You, me, and God. I will not, I'm not going to trick you, intimidate you. I respect you. But you'd be honest enough to say, Pastor Sawyer, I need to give my heart to Jesus. Or maybe you say, I need to come back to Jesus. Today's my day. The Holy Spirit's touched my heart. I realize it's not too late. And today, I want to give my life to Him. Sir, it just simply means you're saying, Father, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross in my place. I ask you to forgive me. Become my Savior. I give you my life. It's that simple. He did the hard part. Would you receive the gift? Men, while I'm here right now, I want to just give a moment to this before we do anything else. If today's the day you're going to step up and say, here's my life, Jesus. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Who else today? You want to say today's my day? Thank you. Who else? Today's my day, boy, guys. I just feel the Holy Spirit tugging on men's hearts. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna prolong this, but I sure don't want to miss your moment. There's some other men in this house. You're ready to say it's my day. It's my day. I, I heard the Holy Spirit just say in my heart, "There's a young man that needs to make this choice today." Would you just lift your hand where you are? He said to me, Pastor. To me, I want to start right here, right now. Thank you. Who else? It's my day. It's my day. Church, would you pray this prayer with me and then we're going to speak a blessing. Would you pray this prayer out loud after me, everyone? Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I'm so thankful that it's not too late that you still love me, that you've been waiting on me. So today, I confess my sins. I come to you Just as I am. I believe you're my Savior. And I believe you're my Lord. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for forgiving me. Today, I give you my life. Today, you're my Savior. And you're my Lord. Today, my life changes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And I'm thankful for men coming to Jesus. Online, it's your moment right there. Now, here's what I want you to do, guys. We're going to begin to worship with this song. And in Jesus' name, as the spiritual father of this house, and I don't say that lightly. Man, that's a big responsibility that really intimidates me apart from God. Okay? But I'm going to stand in the place God's given me as authority. And as we sing this, I bless you in the name of Jesus. As we worship, as you sing this, every curse that your father ever released on a family. I break it today in the name of Jesus. Every generational curse, the sins of the fathers, listen to me, cannot walk through the blood of Jesus. Today, I put the blood over the door of your family system and judgment has to pass over it can't come inside you today walk out of this place men and women free of what has ever been done to you now listen to me Luke 11 Luke 16 says when you cast the devil out he goes and walks around in errant places and then he comes back and checks say where's my old house trying to help you. And he says, if he finds it clean and swept, but unoccupied, he goes back and gets seven of his buddies. said, hey, we're going back. And you're worse off than you were in the beginning. So we're going to break curses today in the name of Jesus. We're going to release blessings today in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but don't walk out of here without Jesus' resident." God, Lord, Savior, are you with me? Because the next time the devil comes back, <laughs> send the Holy Spirit to the door. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You won't have to worry. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.